Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ with our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
perfect. We sin. We fall short. We fall down. We struggle to get back up and remind it once again that we are not perfect. We don't have to pretend with God. We can be transparent with God. We don't have to hide what God already knows. As God's people, let us be willing, open, and honest with God, ourselves, and each other as we confess in prayer, let us pray. Gracious God, forgive us. Forgive us when we know better, yet fail to do better. Forgive us for being bystanders when you called us to participate and engage. Forgive us for holding our tongue when we should speak, and oh God, forgive us for speaking when we should hold our tongue. Forgive us for judging and condemning others who dare to have a different opinion or perspective than ours. Gracious God, shower us with your mercy. Equip us, challenge us, guide us, and prepare us to be living witnesses of the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us pray in silence. Beloved, there is good news. Receive the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Peace is ours. Love is ours. Joy is ours. 
Let us live in peace. Let us experience joy. Let us show love. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'd like to invite Nolan and Julia forward for the baptism of Madison. This morning, Nolan and Julia present their daughter, Madison, Margaret Suarez, to receive the sacrament of baptism. Today, we proclaim boldly that Madison is a recipient of the covenant of grace, and in baptism, God brings her into the family of faith and makes her a member of Christ and a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. We are encouraged because in no stage of life are we ever truly separated from Christ and the bonds that we have from one another. Madison, may you always remember that you are never alone. You've got your parents, your church family, and Christ. They are with you always. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as he delivered to his disciples after his resurrection. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. By water and the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, the body of Christ, and joined in Christ's ministry of love, peace, and justice. Let us remember with joy our own baptism as we celebrate this sacrament. Nolan and Julia, having heard these words of scripture, I ask you the following questions. Do you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And relying on God's grace, do you promise to live that Christian faith, to embody hearts of service and love, and to teach that faith to your child? And do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide, support, and nurture Madison, through your words and your actions, with love and prayer, will you encourage her to know and follow Jesus Christ and empower her to be a member of this church? Will you? God, we know that this life is not always easy. To follow your son, to follow Christ, is to die alongside him. But to follow Christ is also to be resurrected with him. When the world seems hard to Madison, when the church, her parents, her friends and family mess up, we give thanks that you do not. We give thanks that your presence will not leave her, nor will it leave us. We thank you for this water of baptism. Let it seal your child and welcome her into your kingdom of undeserved love, radical grace, and abundant life. Amen. What is the Christian name of this child? Madison Margaret Suarez. Hi, Madison. You're a little skeptical. <laughs> Madison, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Lord, uphold Madison by your Holy Spirit. Give her the spirit of creativity as she faces the issues of this world, the spirit of love towards all of the neighbors and strangers she will encounter, the spirit of goodness in all that she will do, and the spirit of joy knowing that she is your image bearer. 
called to shed your uniquely beautiful light unto your world. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Madison. We thank you for all the joy she brings to us. We thank you for your love and grace. Please guide us and be with Madison on her Christian journey. Lead us down a path of righteousness. Give us strength to raise her in your church and praise you. Amen. Amen. Friends, this is the greatest news. Madison has been received into the one holy Catholic church through baptism. God has made her a member of the household of God to share with us in the priesthood of all believers. I encourage you after the service to greet and welcome the newly baptized as a child of God and our newest sibling in Christ. Alleluia. Amen. Amen. There's some new faces among us worshiping with us. So if you are new-ish to the church, I invite you to Discover Downtown. It's a dinner in my colleague Lucas's backyard. It's happening Wednesday, May 12th at 6 p.m. And the only thing we ask it's free is that you just um, sign up online so that we know to have enough food. And if you're not new, if you've been around for a while, but maybe there's a neighbor or a friend or someone you've seen worshiping with us, invite them. We continue reading in scripture today from the book of Acts. As Lucas mentioned last week, Acts is the story of the early church. It's the first book in the New Testament to follow Jesus' death and resurrection. So today we read chapter eight, verses 26 through 40. And we learn about this interaction between a guy named Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch. Listen now for God's word. Then the angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and he went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning home and seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. The spirit said to Philip, go over to the chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and, and hearing him speak the words of the prophet Isaiah, he asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he replied, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation for his life is taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, about whom may I ask? Is, is the prophet saying this? Is it about himself or is it about someone else? And then Philip began to speak, and starting with the scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What's to keep me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them got out, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. He went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, 
And he was, as he was passing through that region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he got to Caesarea. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Title today's sermon is Ain't No Small Talk in This Chariot. Ain't No Small Talk in This Chariot. Lucas, help me with that one. I haven't flown in a plane in a while. It's one of those things that once this baby is safely here, I can't wait to go do. And I remember that when I used to fly, there was always this awkward moment that would happen when, when you sit down in your seat on the plane. Like before you sit down on your seat, you, you're able to walk freely around the airport, you know, you can get something to eat, you can read a book, you can sit five inches or 20 feet from the next person you get to choose. But when they call your boarding group and you walk onto that plane and you stow your, your luggage and the overhead bins, then you sit down to a very confined space. And unless you get really lucky to have the whole row to yourself, eventually someone comes and they sit right next to you. We do this thing when this happens. We, we politely acknowledge each other in that moment. And then we do our best to not acknowledge each other for the rest of the flight. We do this thing, it goes like this. So, so I, I sit down, you know, and then somebody else comes in and I make eye contact and say, hello. And the stranger, they're, they're replying, um, hello. And they're trying to politely make eye contact with me, but divert their eyes to stow their luggage and quickly get out of the aisle before somebody yells at them. And I divert my eyes, right? And I do this thing where I try to stay really still, like somehow that's gonna help at all. And I ask, do you have enough room? Like somehow I can make myself smaller to make more room for them. And, and this guy, he is just grunting pretty obnoxiously. He's, he's trying to contort his frame into this tiny seat. And the tray table, it just keeps knocking down on his knees. And all of a sudden he just starts laughing. Because what else can you do, right? And I'm laughing. He says, I'm Tom. Are you from Columbia? I said, yes, I'm Dawn. Are you, are you going home or coming home? He said, I'm on my way to Atlanta, I'm going home. And that, y'all, that satisfies the social norm for the rest of the flight. Until I bring out a book and some AirPods and, and I can tell that he is eyeing my reading material. It's like a game of I Spy for adults and we're just trying to figure each other out. And if I've been so bold as to bring my Bible or a theology book, I can guarantee that there is going to be some, some interaction, some conversation that follows. If it is a Bible, I tend to tense up just a little bit. Because in my experience, it's less likely that it'll be an impromptu Bible study and, and more likely that it's just gonna be this opening where we talk about where we go to church and how long we've been going there. Though the conversation can be delightful about where we go to church and how long we've been going there, sometimes it's not. Sometimes I feel like I'm a fish that they're trying to catch on their pole. Have y'all had that experience before? 
And it doesn't even matter if I tell them that I'm a preacher, like I'm spoken for on Sundays, right? They just keep on going. I wish, I wish for an encounter like Philip has with this Ethiopian eunuch, where the, the stranger meetup is like quickly focused on the word of God, the prophet Jeremiah, and we get to talk, like real talk, about who Jesus is and, and what he's got to do in my life or in yours. Philip, he is um, one of the earliest followers of Jesus. He's not Philip, one of the 12 disciples. This one is Philip the evangelist. So it's his job to go around and speak to crowds of friends and strangers alike and open up the scriptures to them and, and convert them. But upon hearing this voice of God and an angel, he's told to walk down a wilderness road. And he does it. And then he's told by another voice to, you see that chariot? Go up to the chariot and speak. So he does, he goes up, right? And then, and then he, he's eavesdropping is what he's doing. He's eavesdropping on what the Ethiopian eunuch is saying inside his fancy card. And hearing the familiar words of the prophet Isaiah, he says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Now this is where context matters, right? Like how did Philip say that? Was it curious? Hey, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Or was it condescending? Do you understand what you are reading? Or is it sarcastic? How do you even know what you are reading? Honestly, I can't think of a tone in which I would want somebody coming up to me and asking if I understand what I am reading. My first reaction would probably be too much sass for which I need to confess my sin. I would say, back off, brother. I nobody invited you to this book study. But that's not what happens. That's not what happens between these two strangers. Somehow, somehow the Ethiopian eunuch, he's warmed by this invitation. He's warmed by his question and he invites Philip to get into his fancy car with him and to study the word of God together. The Ethiopian eunuch, he, he asks a question that scholars have been debating for years. He says, who is Isaiah talking about? Who is this sheep led to the slaughterer? Who's like a lamb that keeps silent before its shearer? And that question makes way for Philip to open up the scripture to him, to talk to him about the prophet, but then more importantly, to talk about this man named Jesus, who is God. I've gotta believe that there's something going on with the Ethiopian eunuch that resonates when Philip speaks. There's gotta be more going on between verse 35 when Philip starts talking, probably preaching a little bit about scripture and verse 36 when the Ethiopian eunuch's like, here's some water, why not get baptized? I wonder if there's more conversation there. I wonder if the Ethiopian eunuch resonates with this word about about someone being persecuted for being on the outside, for not having a voice, not being able to speak, or, or maybe it's this rescuing presence of a savior that, that the Ethiopian eunuch just has wanted words to name, or maybe it's a sense of belonging to God and to a stranger that compels the Ethiopian eunuch to say, hey, I'm in, let's stop, 
I want to get baptized. We don't know all the details of his story. All that we know is that there's some revelation happening. There's self-revelation about Philip. There's self-revelation about the Ethiopian eunuch. And there's revelation about Jesus happening in this fancy car. At the core of our faith is this search for knowledge. We all want to know God. And the way that we approach getting to know God is not all that different for how we approach getting to know one another. We need a name and we need a story. Jesus, the gospel. This meeting between strangers, faith is shared to learn from one another. And, and just as the Ethiopian eunuch is learning about Jesus from Philip's personal experience with him, Philip is learning from the Ethiopian eunuch how the gospel gets shared among people talking real talk about Jesus. During the season of Easter, there's a group of us that are meeting up every Sunday afternoon here at the church, and we are, we're, we're reading this book by Henry Nouwen called Spiritual Direction. And we are talking about what Jesus means for us, who Jesus is. For us. In the chapter that we read last week, Henry Nouwen, the author, he talked about this encounter that he has with a man named Adam. Henry Nouwen, if you're not familiar with him, he was a world-renowned priest. He taught at Notre Dame and at Yale University and Harvard University. He published books and he was asked to speak at the most prestigious of conferences. And though it was his intellect that drove him, he felt lacking he lacked a home, a spiritual home, where he felt connected deeply to the people around him. Well, one day he received a greeting from a man named Jean Vanier. And, uh, and he thought it was a speaking invitation because usually when, when strangers come up to him, that's what it is. They're inviting him to come speak at a conference or write something for them. But, but that's not what this was. It was just a hello. That's all it was. A few years later, he met Jean Vanier at a silent retreat. And after the retreat, Jean came up to Henry and said, Henry, maybe Larsh, this community that he, was, he had started, maybe Larsh can offer you a home, a place where you're really safe, a place where you get to meet God in a completely new way. And Henry took the invitation seriously. He left Harvard. He left Harvard, and he went to live with a large community outside Toronto. And each day, his only job was to assist a man named Adam. Adam was a, a gentle and kind soul. He brought this community together because he depended on someone in the community to meet his every need. And Henry, Henry was to help Adam get up in the morning and to get breakfast, normal things like taking a shower and brushing our teeth and putting on our clothes, things we do for ourselves every day. Adam couldn't do those things by himself. He needed help. So Henry's job was to be there to assist him in each of those activities. And at first, Henry was really afraid. He was afraid of sharing an intimate space like that with a stranger. He didn't know how to hold Adam's head to be able to brush his teeth or how to awkwardly put on his socks and his shoes. 
And he says, even though he, he could see Adam's eyes tracking with him, he had no way of knowing if Adam knew who he was. Over time, Henry got more comfortable with their routine and he realized that the companionship that he and Adam shared, it was the purpose of their time together. Adam saw Henry not for his great mind, but for his being. Henry being with Adam is what mattered. That sense of being is the very home that Henry longed for. Both Adam and Henry, they knew that, that their interactions with one another, though they seemed mundane, something bigger was happening. And even though no words were shared, no lectures, no, no book studies, none of the areas where Henry excelled and where he, he was able to find his worth and his faith before, Adam was showing him a new way of knowing and experiencing God. In his book, Henry shares two insights that I'm still thinking about. He says, we all hear two voices. One that tells us, go out into the world and make something of yourself. Find a career, make your parents proud. And the other voice says, be sure that you never lose touch with your source or your purpose. The first voice, make sure you, you do something, make sure you matter, make sure you find a good job. And the other, be sure you never lose sight of your source or your purpose. Henry said, there's a real tension between those two. One is focused on our doing. The other is focused on our being. And it made me realize this is what's happening with Philip. Philip in our scripture, this is what's happening with him. He has this chance to encounter God in a stranger. And he breaks away from his speaking gigs and converting the masses with his mind and intellect. And, and he connects with a stranger by sharing his experience of Jesus. And sure, the Ethiopian eunuch is converted. Sure, he, he joins the following of Jesus, but we don't have to look hard to see that something is happening in Philip. He's seeing the presence of God in a stranger, in someone that he would not cross paths with, not spend time with. He's experiencing a, a transfer of energy that, that happens when you talk about your inner spiritual life, when you get real about who Jesus is for you. And then as he's thrust back to the masses to continue the work of the disciples, the doing, he holds on to that experience because it has shaped him. I often think about our role, yours and mine, when our spiritual self shows up out there. You know, out there in the business world or in the education world or or in the family world. And I know that you think about it too because I've heard you asking for language to describe the divine. And I also know that we're scared. And I know why we're scared because the moment that you mention Jesus, especially in the South, people expect that you're about to get all high and mighty and, and put the expectation on them that they come to church with you next Sunday and maybe supper club and definitely the Bible study. 
But I wonder, y'all, I wonder if there's a way in, in little old Columbia, little old downtown church for you and I to do things differently. I wonder if there's a way that we can have real conversations about Jesus on the golf course and at the nail salon and over dinner. I wonder if we can approach one another similar to the way Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch approach one another with questions about faith, knowing full well that the person we're talking to may take it as an opportunity to evangelize us. Y'all, that's going to happen. So what if we take that conversation? What if we take that conversation and then show up a little differently than they expect? Because the spirit might just be nudging you to have a real conversation that allows God to take root in you in a new way. It is likely. It is likely that God is calling you to walk down a wilderness road. It is likely that this scripture is about you and me. It's likely that God is calling you to talk to a stranger and share your experience of Jesus. Ain't no small talk happening in that chariot. It is likely that you showing up as your spiritual self will allow you to come more fully into yourself and allow you to find the very thing that you are searching for. Maybe so. Shadows are falling and I'm running out of breath. Keep me in your heart for a while. If I leave you, it doesn't
Let us pray. God, thank you for being a real God who's prepared us to be real people who can engage in real talk about real things. And God, thank you for putting us in positions to be witnesses of your glory and goodness, spaces of deep connection. We thank you for the spiritual aha moments of life where we find and see you all around us in unexpected places. Those encounters with strangers that are really encounters with you. Thank you for being ever present, ever patient, and everlasting. We pray, O oh God, that you will help us to be present with you and others. Help us to be patient with each other and help us to be steadfast on this Christian journey. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit and make us whole. And hear us as we pray together the prayer that your son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean singing how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous how wonderful is my Savior's love for me took my sins and my sorrows and made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. Singing how marvelous, how wonderful and my song shall
Ain't no small talk on this chariot. Jesus is worthy of our real talk. So as you go from this place, may the peace, the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the interruption of that Holy Spirit may be with you and with all those you know and love and with all those you don't know and don't love. Go in God's peace. Amen.